0: How's everyone doing this morning? Good. I just did a workout uh, getting this podium up here, so I'm a little tired already. It's like a maze over here. It's nuts. But uh, good morning. My name is Brian Lamb. If I haven't had the the honor to meet you, I hope I get that honor soon. We've got a little feedback coming through. Hopefully it will get fixed very soon. Uh, And so uh, I have the, the honor of serving the amazing... Omni family and uh, it's just a joy to be able to be here. I'm very excited for what the Lord's going to do today through his word and just it's it's always a joy. I I just love being able to have the opportunity to come before you and to open the word of God that by the Holy Spirit we would be changed and transformed today into the image of Jesus Christ. And so as we count down the days till Christmas, we're currently in our Advent series. Uh, We took a break from our series in the Sermon on the Mount and Living the Living Upside Down. And we're looking in this Advent time at the faithfulness of God throughout His story of redemption leading up to the arrival of Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. This is really my favorite time of the entire year. Now, my birthday is the week after Christmas on December 31st. It's an awesome birthday. Everybody's partying with me. And so Maybe that might have a little bit to do with, I always get double the presents, so that might have a little bit to do with why this is my favorite time of the year, but for real, I, I really just, I love this time of the year getting to spend time with family, getting to spend time with friends. Between Allie and I, we participate in two full packed days of celebration and food, lots of food and presents and fun. Uh, I also love all of the fun times leading up to Christmas, uh, like all of the parties that we get to do. Uh, our gathering group here at Omni had their Christmas party uh, Last uh, this last week on Tuesday. Sadly, I didn't get to participate. I was sick and I was in bed, uh, but it sounded like they had a lot of fun. And I knew that they had a lot going on. I knew they had like ugly sweaters and they had some pretty cool gifts and they had, uh, somebody brought a brisket, which is just, I mean, that's Christmas in Texas, right? And so it was just the works. and It sounded like they were having a lot of fun as I was all alone, I had to miss out. And I've got a good Christmas sweater, but I missed out. You know, I, I love getting to... Uh, decorate the house with our girls. I love getting to put the lights up on the outside of the house. As a family, we have a lot of really fun traditions that we try to do. We try to go look at Christmas lights. We like try to drink hot chocolate together, right, as we go look at the Christmas lights. And I'll just be real with everyone. I'm gonna be honest. This is a safe place, to be honest, right? I can take down the facade of perfection here at church because none of us are perfect in here. Our first time did not go so well. Uh, we went out. Allie had a broken foot, and so it was just... Just me, kind of doing everything. She sat there and enjoyed it, but but we you know we went and got the hot chocolate. But we for, we forgot the cups with lids, and so of course we had to stop at the store and we got the cups with lids. And then there was tantrums, and it just was. It, there was a lot of cheer in the car that night. I'll tell you that right now. It did not go the way that I thought it was going to go, and I don't know about you, but I love Christmas music. It's a little controversial but I love Christmas music. Allie, she's kind of a weirdo, and she starts playing, Chris play the music when it's supposed to be played starting in December after Thanksgiving, so if you ride around with me, you're probably going to hear some Christmas music, even though I get a little thrown off. I don't know about you, but I get a little thrown off by the song, Mary, Did You Know? Anybody else in here? I mean, it just seems a little inaccurate to me. I begin to question that song. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great melody. I love the song, the lyrics, the, the meaning, all of those things, but like The angel Gabriel told Mary that Jesus was going to be the son of God, right? That he was going to have this kingdom that would have no end. And so naturally, like, it shouldn't shock Mary that he's going to, you know, walk on water and save all the sons and daughters, right? Shouldn't shock Mary that he's going to be the Lord of all creation and rule all the nations. And so I'm just thinking, like, you know, this song's kind of disrespectful to Mary. It's kind of putting down her intelligence. And really, it seems like the intelligence of women. If anybody didn't know, it was Joseph, right? I mean, that fool was just trying to get out of that marriage so quick, right? He was like, how can I divorce this woman? And so, you know, I just, and and we know, both of them heard from an angel, but we all know in this room, and fellas, I'm going to say it, women listen better than men. It's just the way it is, right? Amen. I heard an amen. Yes, ma'am. And so, I mean, we know, like, like, I just feel like they give Mary a hard time. So to end that soapbox, let's actually get to the message. If you want to debate some Mary, did you know I'm your man? But what I'm trying to say is I love Christmas. I really do. I love the traditions, the season, the food, the presents. I love all of it and praise the Lord that in his grace he allows us to enjoy these things. However, the celebration during Christmas and the season of Advent is ultimately about something much greater than the earthly material things that we have around us. It's about the arrival of our King, as we've been singing, the coming of our Savior. And this little baby that's in a manger shows us the fact that God has not left us to ourselves. What good news, It shows us that God has not left us to the darkness of sin and death and separation from him, but instead he left his throne in heaven to take on the flesh of man and live amongst us as a sacrificial servant to the point of death, that you and I would be saved from sin and death and live with him for eternity. I mean, it's this good news that truly brings joy to our souls this morning that in Jesus we see this this beautiful picture of God's faithfulness to his promises. And so during the Advent series in this season, we're just taking time each Sunday to gaze upon the faithfulness of our God, that our, our hearts would be stirred for affections for the Lord, that we would overflow in thankfulness and adoration and praise toward all that God has done on our behalf. And so last week, Valentine, he walked us through God's faithfulness in the covenant that he made with Abraham, that despite Abraham's disobedience, God was still faithful. And he helped us see how all of this connected to the eternal plan and story of God as he redeems his people from the curse of sin through his son, Jesus and so this week, we're going to look at God's faithfulness, the same story, it's just another part of it, but it's the same overarching story in this, in this covenant that he makes with his servant David. And so if you will please open your Bible, if you have a physical Bible, if you don't, you can look on the screen, you can use your phone, your iPad, whatever you do, to 2 Samuel chapter 7, Second Samuel chapter 7. And we're going to start in the second half of verse Verse 11. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendant, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and blows from mortals. But my faithful love will never leave him as it did when I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. And so at the beginning of what we just read back in verse 11, it says, The Lord declares to you. Meaning what's about to be said is a promise coming from God to David. And so God is here, he's making a a covenant with King David known as the Davidic covenant. And so a covenant is a promise that God makes where he lays all of his cards out on the table, where he tells of how he will work for the good of mankind and for the glory of his own name. And so something I always find so remarkable about covenants and the covenants that God makes with his people is that he always signs it by the perfection and the holiness of his own name. He says there, the Lord declares this to you. See, it is because of this that God then always, always upholds his side of the covenant and is not dependent upon the other party's faithfulness to do so. That that if God makes a promise, he will always keep it because if he did not keep it, it would go against his very nature and character. So he's essentially saying here, this is how I am going to work for my glory, for my namesake, and for your good as you love, trust, and follow what I've laid out for you. And so how does this covenant, this Davidic covenant, relate to us here in 2018? I mean, this was made a long time ago, right? How does it relate to Advent? What does it teach us about how we are to celebrate Christmas? And how does this begin to elevate our hope and our joy and our peace in this time, in the birth of our Savior, Jesus? Well, I'm so glad you've asked those questions because that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. So from the passage we've just read, I wanna look at three primary things. First is God's promise to David. Second is God's fulfillment of this promise. And thirdly, I wanna look at what this means for us this morning. And so that's kind of our roadmap for the next 20 to 25 minutes. So first, I want us to do our best to, to begin to wrap our minds around the, just the magnitude of God's promise here to David. See, this covenant, it's very interesting because there are near and distant events that are promised here together. In verse 11, God promises that he will make a house for David. And then in verse 12, he says that there will be one that comes in David's place and he will establish his kingdom. He says in verse 13, he will build a house for my name. And then he says in verse 14 and 15, when he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and blows from mortals, but my faithful love will never leave him as it did when I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And so all of this seems rather near to us. It seems like these are things that could happen rather quickly, right? That could happen in just maybe a generation. And so, however, there's distant promises here as well. Future promises here That he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And then in verse 16, he says, Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. And so really, the, the, the ultimate promise that God is making here to David can be seen in the word that God repeats three times here. This word, forever. This word means That there's so much more promised here than a temporary descendant of David to sit on the throne for a generation or so. See, what God has said here is that, David, I promise that from you I am going to establish an eternal kingdom, an eternal throne. It will be before me forever. It will have no end to it. Like, this is a massive Promise that God's making here. He has promised something here that will shape and form all of eternity. I mean, it's a big deal in my house when I promise like some ice cream or Chuck E. Cheese to the girls, but God here is saying, man, this is gonna be forever. Forever. See, he's making a promise here that has and certainty for David's kingdom. And so David, he hears this promise of God and he can do nothing but be in the presence of the Lord and worship God. It says right after this, if you keep reading, he says, God is great. There is no one like him. There is no God besides him. His words are true. His promises are a blessing to his servant because of the greatness of them. So my brother-in-law and I, we are steak connoisseurs. I don't know if I have any other steak connoisseurs in the building this morning, but yes, oh, we got one over there, yes. I, I love me some steak. I mean, it looks like I've ate a steak or two in my day, doesn't it? So this one time we went to a restaurant uh, that my dad takes us to on these special occasions. Something happens in the family. and He wants to take us all out for a nice dinner. So we get there, and we're looking at the menu. We're looking at the steaks, and we ask the waiter, like, hey, you know, we're, we're a steak connoisseurs, so what, what do you have? Maybe is there something not on the menu that you have? And he's like, you know what, I'm a steak connoisseur, and so you need to try what we call the tomahawk steak. And, uh, and so I was, we just kind of think about it, and we're like, start to look at each other, and we just start grinning. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really good, right? And without hesitation, we both are like, yes, we very much want that. We want the tomahawk steak, give it to us, right? And so he brings the tomahawk steak out and he gives us that. And I mean, it is exactly like it sounds, right? Because I'm, if, for a little bit there, I'm like, what in the world is a tomahawk steak? Like who makes that, right? But it's exactly what it sounds. It's a big piece of steak that takes probably two people to eat and it's got this huge bone. And if you pick it up, it looks like a tomahawk, right? And so he brings this steak out and I'm telling you, it is so good. It's like cutting into butter. It is so good. And so every time that we would go to a restaurant after that, we'd obviously, we'd ask, hey, you got a tomahawk steak? Because we want some of that, right? And so, I mean, it it just, no other steak ever compared to that steak. And we will never forget that steak. I mean, you go to my brother-in-law now, you say tomahawk steak. He's like, oh, I'll tell you exactly where I was when I had it and how amazing it was. And so I know you're probably thinking, like, what the heck is Brian talking about up here? Like, is he going on another Mary Did You Know tangent? I promise I have a point here. The point is that for David... This promise is like that tomahawk steak was for me. Nothing can compare to it. There is nothing that will compare. And he can do nothing but just sit back and marvel at its greatness. He will remember it for the rest of his life, and he will tell others about it. Because, see, this promise meant so much to David, because what he was just promised was a security for his kingdom for eternity. And in his day, the odds of a kingdom lasting just a little bit were not that good. They were slim to none, right? I mean, in the ancient world, especially where Israel is in its geographical position as it rests in between three continents where they all come together, where Africa and Asia and Europe come together, I mean, it's it's always in danger of being overthrown by another kingdom. And yet God is here saying, I'm going to give you security not only from other kingdoms that might want to overthrow you not only from you know for your throne but i'm also going to give you security before me forever see this puts this promise on a whole other level this it's hard to fathom such a mighty and powerful promise that god is making here that david's house will finally be safe that, 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 that not only that, but those who maybe be even inside the kingdom who might want to, st- God, because it says he will be before God forever. But the interesting part is that David, I mean, he really didn't realize how much is actually promised in here. I mean, he couldn't have dreamed of all that God is going to do to accomplish through this promise here, which takes us to this next part of what is God doing in his fulfillment of the promise. Well, God tells David in verse 12, hey, bro, you're gonna die. Don't worry, I got you, but you're gonna die. In verse 12, it says, when your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendants. So he's real from the start. David, you're not gonna last forever. Your kingdom will, but you won't. You're gonna die. But don't worry, I got you, I got you. He says in verse 16, your kingdom and your throne will be established forever before me. And so this must mean that there's going to be somebody that comes, a descendant from David that God is going to use to establish an everlasting kingdom. And so maybe that descendant, maybe that son of David is Solomon, right? I mean, that's the next guy we see, right? And and so maybe it's him. I mean, he did build the temple of God in Jerusalem, right? So maybe that's who God's talking about. But if you look in 1 Kings 11, which we're gonna look at in a little bit, that we see that, that Solomon, he ends up Following the path of his father, he goes off his rocker, he disobeys God, he sins against God as he marries these foreign women and he begins to worship their gods. And it says, God says to Solomon in 1 Kings 11, he says, "...since you have done this and did not keep my covenant and my statutes which I commanded you, I will tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant." However, I will not do it during your lifetime for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of your son's hand. Yet, I will not tear the entire kingdom away from him. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem that I chose. And So even Solomon, who's the king after David, who's the richest and wisest man, who even builds the temple for God, though, cannot be the descendant that God is talking about here to establish an eternal kingdom because of his idolatry and sin. See, this shows us two things. That, that the one, that, uh, one is that the promise to establish David's kingdom will not come through a descendant of David that is disobedient, that is rebellious towards God. Yet, the rebellion and disobedience of man will not stop God from being faithful to what he has promised. See, and we saw that in the passage. We saw the assurance of God keeping his promise many times as he says, for the sake of David. He's saying, for the sake of my promise to David, I will not abandon my promise. I will not withdraw my faithful love. So this makes it clear, though, that David's throne cannot endure forever if it is held by sinful men, though men who rebel, who disobey God. Yet it never stops God's plan to be faithful to his promise. He never takes away his faithful love as he said he wouldn't in the covenant. And so what this shows us is that it's going to take a supremely righteous and perfect son of David to maintain the kingdom's throne forever. And so while David and Solomon and all the kings after them that were many of just dysfunctional, And were disobedient and how they could never fulfill the conditions of this king that God promised. God is though still always true that comes and is a righteous son of David that will take the eternal throne. And if we look at the Psalms, we see in David's writings that that he knew this to be true in his heart. He believed that God would uphold this covenant. Now he struggled. If you know the life of David, you know that he messed up. He struggled, but where did he go? Came back to God, right? So he believed, and so you see this if you go read Psalm 2 or Psalm 110 or Psalm 135. There's plenty of other places, but I wanna look at just Psalm 89. We actually read it at the beginning of the service. Downtown stole my thunder a little bit, but we're okay. And so what we're gonna see in this in Psalm 89 is that God is gonna come through on His process. It's not gonna happen through a disobedient son, but God will make a way. And so starting in verse 28, of Psalm 89, it says, I will always preserve my faithful love for him and my covenant with him will endure. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as heaven lasts. If his sons abandon my instruction and do not live by my ordinances, if they dishonor my statutes and do not keep my commands, then I will call the rebellion to account with the rod, their iniquity with blows. But... I will not withdraw my faithful love from him or betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or change what my lips have said. Once and for all, I have sworn an oath by my holiness. I will not lie to David. His offspring will continue forever. His throne, like the sun before me, like the moon, established forever a faithful witness in the sky. And so we see here that, that David he he knows to be true that God is faithful. He will not abandon his promises, he will not lie, he will not go against his holiness. We see this truth after David as well, throughout the prophets as God is going to continuously tell his people who are in exile from their disobedient kings that he is going to make a way, that he will not withdraw his faithful love. We see it through the prophets like Micah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and many more about this one to come from the lineage of David who will establish the eternal throne. And so we don't have time to cover all of them. We'd be here till dinnertime if we tried to do that. But what I just want to, do is pull out two of them. One is in Jeremiah 23. It says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will raise up a righteous branch for David, he will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Isaiah perhaps saw this glory of the son of David more clearly than anybody. We see it many, many times, and I just pulled this one out of Isaiah 9 that many of us know this morning. It says, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And I love this last part. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. See, I'm getting ahead of myself. What we can understand from this, from the Psalms, from the prophets, about the certainty of this covenant is that it really never rested with David. Like David's kingdom lasting forever was never up to David. I mean, if you keep reading in 2 Samuel, you see that he will later commit adultery with Bathsheba and murder her husband Uriah. Now you see that he does repent of those things, but you also see that his family just gets jacked up. It looks like an episode of Jerry Springer, Right? And so you see this, and, and, and yet God is still working in the mess to fulfill his promise. He's taking what David messed up and working so that he can still fulfill what He's told David he would promised. Right? And then we also see that this, this promise, this covenant, it never rested in the hands of Solomon. It may have looked like it. He was rich and wise. He builds the temple, yet he betrays God. As he worships false gods and idols. It never rested in the kings that would come after Solomon as the kingdom actually becomes divided. And there's okay kings, but a lot of them are just really divided nation, find themselves then in exile, kicked out, the temple destroyed. See, the certainty of this covenant promise of God did not and could not rest on anyone except solely God himself. All of those before were but a shadow of the one to come because they never measured up to the conditions of the king that God had promised until one day where God himself would come to earth in the form of a little baby. One day, God himself, who is perfectly righteous, able to maintain David's throne, would come through the lineage and the descendant of David. And this king would be fully righteous. He would execute justice as he bears the punishment of sin through death. Yet he raises from the grave to show his eternal kingdom. See, this descendant that will establish the eternal kingdom is the final son of David, he is Jesus Christ. He is the son of the living God, the son of Abraham, the son of David. He is the Messiah. He is the one promised about all the way back in Genesis 3.15 that will crush the head of Satan. And he will establish the reign and the rule of the kingdom of God forever. It will not end. See, he is the perfectly righteous, holy, blameless son of David who holds David's throne forever. This is why Matthew connects all of this for us as he goes through the lineage of Jesus and he calls him the son of Abraham the son of David this is why when Gabriel came to Mary in Luke 1 he says to her the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom there will be no end See, this is why Jesus, in the last chapter of the Bible, in Revelation twenty two sixteen, 16, to encourage us in his final return where he will inaugurate his kingdom forever. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. Revelation twenty two sixteen. 16, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. See, God has fulfilled His promise to David through sending his very own son, Jesus Christ. That little baby that was born in the town of Bethlehem, in David's town who comes from the lineage of David, who bore the penalty for sin through death on a cross, but got up from the grave in defeating death, he now reigns as the sovereign, eternal king over all things, and his kingdom has no end. He is the fulfillment of God's promise to David. And God did this not because David was sinless, He committed some of the deepest and darkest sins that there are. He didn't do it because the people after him were sinless. He did it because this was his plan that from David, who is unworthy of such a promise, would come the Christ in order that the faithfulness of God would ring true in all of his people. And so, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus in 2018, looking back centuries and centuries and centuries ago at this covenant that God made with David, and we see Jesus here as the promised son of David that he is, there are so many encouraging truths for us this morning. Hope, peace, God's sovereignty, redemption, his love, his holiness, salvation. But I believe when we Yet that's not often the case with a lot of us this time of the year. Because in our culture, Christmas is usually not a time of rest. It's a time of busyness, distraction, and focusing on the wrong reasons for the season. So Allie and I, we, we do our best to teach our girls during this time of the year why we celebrate Christmas, right? And it's a hard, it's a hard thing out there to do for parents. There are so many distractions, so many worldly things, pulling kids and, and wanting to make it about the presence or whatever it might be. And so this is hard. And we, we don't always succeed at this. Oftentimes we, we fail at this. But each year we, we want to take a break from our bedtime stories, the, their, their kids' Bibles that we usually read before they go to bed. And, and we want to read some sort of Advent calendar, right? Um, and so where each night there's a devotional. And of course we, we always get the calendar where you pull the little tab back and there's some chocolate, right? That's just a good time for everybody. And so this year, we, got, we were given a really cool Advent devotional with, like, this wooden tree, and it's got all of these stories each night, and it has an ornament that kind of corresponds with each... Uh, with each story And so what we'll do each night Is we'll, we'll read the story we'll add, They get to you know, find the date Sometimes it takes them a while But usually they'll find it eventually And they get to pull it back And they get a little bit of chocolate Before they go to bed And so they, they love it, right? Like, oh, I get some candy before I go to bed, right? And so we're, we're excited about this Because this, this whole thing that we are given Man, man it's, it's awesome We are really excited and, and the first night I mean the first night Allie starts to read Maybe two sentences in and is quickly interrupted by our youngest, Emma. And Emma says to her, she says, hey, uh, when are you going to be done reading so I can get my chocolate? (laughs) If you know Emma, you you know that's exactly Emma. And her chocolate became dad's chocolate that night. It was awesome. (laughs) And then the next night, there's a story about Adam and Eve, right? And so Allie... Man, I just gotta give her props. She did a fantastic job of explaining this about sin and just about the brokenness of the world and how Jesus, he puts us all back together. And I mean, just spot on. And it went really well. We were asking questions. And our oldest, Isabel, she was saying, you know, some really profound things. And Emma even said a little something. And we're like, okay, she's... I mean, she's really starting to get this, right? Like she's starting to understand what's going on. It's not just about the chocolate tonight, right? And so, you know, we're we're doing all this, and then she raises her hand, um, and not because she knows she's not supposed to interrupt. She raises her hand, and she has a question, right? And I'm thinking, okay, major breakthrough tonight, right? Like like this is going to be awesome. Right, I mean, she she raised her hand like like she's gonna like profess faith in Jesus tonight, and my daughter's gonna become a daughter of the King. This is gonna be great. And she goes, "Hey, mom, my tooth is loose. Look." <laughs> well, it's just over. The night's you know done. She, I'm laughing. I can't. I just put my head down, and I'm laughing, and Allie's laughing, and Isabel's laughing, and it's just over. I mean, right? And so two nights, the first two nights, we're so excited, and it just goes down the drain. And now. I know, there's six and eight. These are typical responses. This is what we should expect from them. But isn't this oftentimes how we operate as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Jesus is the reason for this season, but I just want my chocolate. I just want my stuff. Yeah, 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 I understand all this, but look, my tooth is wiggly. We're distracted. Christmas becomes so so much about us so quickly rather than a faithful God. And just like David, we have these massive promises in front of us, these tomahawk steak promises in front of us. And Christmas is a time that shows us just how faithful God is to his promises. I mean, we have proof right in front of us, this side of the cross, that he is faithful. And yet, just like David and Solomon and the kings after them, we are so quick to desert God, to turn our own ways, to put him on the side and have our agenda. To be distracted by the material objects and what distractions you face, what you truly celebrate this time of the year, or if you're just focused on getting some chocolate like Emma. I don't know. But for those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, this is a time of the year that as we eat that chocolate, it should be a sweet reminder of God's faithfulness, of all that he has done, a time to rest in a God who is always faithful to what he has promised. There is a deep, deep assurance and peace that should overwhelm our souls during this time of the year, that even though we are sinners Rebellious people, God in Jesus Christ has not withheld his faithful love and mercy to us. Just as he didn't withhold it in his covenant with David. See, God came, he left his throne, he put on flesh. He came to sit on the eternal throne of David that and through that he would save all people that would believe. And so as we gaze upon the faithfulness of God, During this Christmas season, there is a joy, there is a peace that supersedes presents and food and music and lights and yes, even your family. That while those are all good gifts from the Lord that we can enjoy, they will not satisfy the deepest parts of our soul that God's faithfulness does. There's a peace that comforts those of us that are in a difficult and hurtful season this time. I know Christmas isn't cheer and celebration for everybody. I know for a lot of people, this is a hard time of the year. It's a reminder of a lost loved one that's not gonna get to be there with you. Might be a reminder of your financial situation where you cannot provide gifts. You may not have family or friends to spend Christmas with and you're gonna be alone. If you are, you call the lambs, you're coming with us. But here's the thing, in all of those, good or bad, God's faithfulness to us in Christ brings a genuine joy, a true time of rest, no matter what we're going through, because our hope then becomes not in the things of this world that betray us, but in the faithfulness of God that is always true. And so the most practical truth for all of us this season for any Christian, that we can know is that God is faithful to his promises. When he says he's going to do something, it is as good as done. And just like he made a covenant with David, he has made a covenant with you. It's called the new covenant, the covenant of grace, where he has promised each of us who place our faith in his son Jesus, a salvation from our sins, a righteousness to stand before him, adoption into his kingdom, an inheritance with Christ, an eternal life where we will enjoy him forever. And in this covenant, he not only swears it by the perfection and holiness of his name, but he has signed it with the blood of his son. See, there should be a heartfelt confidence this morning in each of us that the sovereign and faithful God that has fulfilled his promise to David by acting on David's behalf has done the same thing for us as he was the one that acted as he took upon our sin in his death. And he defeated death that we could not defeat in his resurrection. He did what we could not do just as he did for David what David could not do. In order that one day you and I, we would live in the eternal kingdom that was promised to David. That when the king, when Jesus, the root and the altar, we will be brought home where we will experience nothing of what we experience here. sin. This morning, God is calling you to let go of everything and to rest in his faithfulness as he did to David here. See, the true celebration this Christmas is the good news of the new covenant where in Jesus God displays his faithfulness to every promise that he has ever made. As it says in 2 Corinthians 1, that every one of God's promises is yes in the name of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the greatest gift for all of us. I know that sounds like a cliche, but he is. Because in Jesus, God has fulfilled every promise. He has made a way for you and for I to be with him forever. And this morning, he beckons you. He calls you. He says, come. Find hope. Have peace. Rest in my faithfulness. That I am working all things out for your good and for my glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have done for us. You've done something that we, we cannot do. Yes. Father, you said it would happen long ago. Yes. As we travel through your story, we see that you are continually being faithful to your promises. So this morning, as we look at the life of David as the promise, the covenant of David, Father, will you encourage us? Father, will you help us to see all that you have done for us, that we would find strength, comfort, peace, and hope in you today. Father, help us to not stay in our faithlessness. Help us to do as your servant David did and come to you. Father, will you create a clean heart in us like you did for David. Father, will you not forsake us Father, we have rebelled, we've confessed that, we have sinned, we confess that, and Father, we need your son. Father, will you work for the good of your people and the glory of your name this morning. It's in your name we pray, amen.